This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. By the way, LarryKudlowShow.com. LarryKudlowShow.com. You can live stream us around the country, throughout the world, and the solar system so you won't miss a thing. And we welcome back to the show General Jack Keene, retired four-star general, chairman, Institute for the Study of War, Fox News, senior strategic analyst, and Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. General Keene, welcome back, sir. I know you're awful busy, but you've done great service for all of us in your analysis. Um, General Keene, the top story in the Wall Street Journal webpage today is White House says Biden warned Xi of consequences if Beijing supports Russia on Ukraine. So, okay, um, it has been reported that Russia is uh, short of supplies and material. Uh, Financially, they're in trouble. So Biden has two hours with Xi yesterday. Now, I I don't know what, I mean, the the readouts from this thing are um, uh, uninformative, is how I'll put it. And I'll just say that Biden warned Putin before the invasion of severe consequences that that didn't seem to work. So I wanted to get your your thinking on this. Is there any intel that you've picked up? And, and you know, do you think she is going to help Russia or not help Russia? Yeah, well, certainly the, the administration hasn't, you know, given us any, anything tangible, you know, in terms of that meeting other than they, they had the meeting. Um, I do think the administration did the right thing in, in, in revealing the, the classified information they had that they had picked up that Russia had sought assistance and China appeared willing to give them that assistance. I also think the administration probably knows a little bit more in detail of what Russia was requiring. I mean, in general, it said military and economic, but I think they they have a pretty good feel for what some of the specifics are um, in doing that. I mean, clearly, uh, President Xi is in a position here uh, where he's re- trying to recover from COVID, his economy has slowed down. Uh, he he's become something of an international pariah himself over over COVID. There's been more international pushback against him, mm. you know, since since he's been in charge for ten years now than he's ever had before. Uh, all that said, uh, I'm I'm convinced that he's dead serious about this strategic partnership, uh, Larry. It means it means a lot to him, obviously. Uh, Russia needs China more than uh, China needs Russia. But nonetheless, it it gives them an axis and a sphere of influence working together to push back against the international world order, which is clearly what they're, they're both attempting to, to change. And uh, obviously, President Xi also has, has got to be stunned by uh, Russia's poor performance here and, uh, and, and how much time it's taken, the casualties they're suffering. And also, uh, you know, Putin himself being labeled as a war criminal um, and, and 
becoming a, a huge global international pariah. That may give him pause, but I don't think it's going to undermine the relationship. And he's heading into the National Party Congress, Larry, in the fall. And, and I think any admission on their part or any distance that they take to try to diminish the partnership that they entered into would bring President Xi's judgment into question uh, going into that National Party Congress. And what the Chinese Communist Party, who are propping him up, they want complete unity and solidification around President Xi when he goes into that Congress because he's they're going to enshrine him. So mm. I, I don't see him creating any daylight here, uh, you know, based on what President Biden is uh, is pushing. Uh, not, I don't have any feel for what the, the military request, which I, I find surprising that, that Putin is making. But certainly we, we've got a stick here, Larry. I mean, secondary sanctions on China. I mean, you've worked on these yourself, uh, and, and you know that that could be very impactful, but particularly uh, for an economy that has slowed down. So, so certainly we, we have something to say here and actually, more importantly, something to do. Well, it's interesting to me, General Keene, it's interesting that the Bidens haven't actually come out and defined consequences. Now, I presume that you're right. They're talking about some form of economic sanctions. Uh now, during the Trump administration, we slapped on substantial tariffs on China to bring them to the trade negotiating table. Those tariffs still exist, by the way, it's $350 billion, uh, which has helped to slow down their economy quite a bit. But I'm just wondering whether the Bidens are going to come out and say that they're looking at more economic sanctions. You know, I presume you're not talking about military actions, and it's all going to be in the economic sphere. But they're not saying that. And so I, I don't know. It's it's sort of it's just it's this thing that, you know, Biden said the same thing. We're going to have severe consequences. He said that to Putin and Putin invaded Ukraine anyway. I just don't know what any of this means. And if what you say is right, and I suspect you're right, China is going to stay with Russia, then China will help Russia prolong the war or additional adventurism. Yeah, I I mean, I have the same concern that you have about this administration right from the beginning. Uh, they have a tendency to play a very weak hand. And then if things get uh, worse, then they they up the ante a little. But even then, they, they take incremental steps. And, and we've seen that right from the outset in, in dealing with Putin when there were 70,000 on the border in March, mm. 90 days into the administration. And what did we do? Uh, the Biden administration delayed the shipment of arms and munitions to him, which actually was put together by the previous administration. President Trump's national security team did it and delayed it. And they stated the reason because they didn't want to provoke Putin. They delayed it again. Another shipment they delayed in the fall when there were 150, 170,000 there. Mm. And this is, this has been a, a, a pattern. And, and there's no, there's no reason for us to suspect that this pattern is any different in dealing with China, uh, that we're not putting all of our cards on a table. I don't believe we ever put the cards on a table with Putin. We talked to him about severe consequences, a paddle line that the administration uses. But I, I doubt seriously whether we went down the list and said, this is what we fully intend to do uh, to you. Uh, 
and and that's the way they've operated. They put diplomacy first uh, with a weak hand, which certainly undermines the very diplomacy that they're trying to achieve. I mean, you know, during that whole period in 2018, 2019, and early 2020, but it was mostly 2019, we negotiated, we, the Trump administration, negotiated with China over a trade deal. I will say Trump, and I'm a free trader, General, I don't like tariffs, but with respect to China, the only what language they seem to understand, and Trump would just slam them with tariffs. And they didn't like that. And their economy suffered from those tariffs. All right. And I just wish the Bidens would be as tough and, you know, it's like do something. Don't just keep saying there's going to be consequences. Do something. International diplomacy has to be backed up with some teeth, some place, General. That's what I'm saying. It's what I learned with the China experience on trade. And it's like, here we go again. I don't know what Biden said. I have no idea what Biden said to Xi, whether he talked about trade sanctions or banking sanctions. You know, China has a very weak and small Nothingheimer banking system, for heaven's sakes. We could cut them off. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what he said, but I just hate to see the same language and, as you noted, the same pattern. It's too little, too late. Too little, too late. Yeah, I think they should... We don't know what they talked about, but certainly specifying what's going to happen to them would have been critical. Also, the fact that, I mean, you've got to tell President Xi right to his face that the world is labeling uh, Putin as a war criminal because he's committing indisputable war crimes. And if you're going to provide him finances and military means to carry out his war crimes, that means you're associating yourself with a war criminal. Right. You're going to be right. an international pariah yourself. Right. That's a great point. Right. Why doesn't he just and, say that publicly? And just nail him with it, you yes. know, and, and, and then publicly say, this is what I, I told the, you know, President Xi. The other thing is, you know, Putin is waving around the possibility of using chemical, biological, and nuclear weapons. Mm. And, uh, and certainly that he's doing that for intimidation purposes. But... Given who he is, we have to take those things seriously. And certainly President Biden should have put that on the table with President Xi, who Mm. cannot be interested in anything like that Mm. uh, in terms of the world order and how destabilizing something like that could be. That takes away all of his strategic objectives if we're going to wind up with that kind of a WMD exchange. Mm. And, And you got to assume that she has some impact on Putin and use that uh, in terms of what Putin is doing and his recklessness, you know, in talking about uh, some, something to that to that degree. And I hope he put Taiwan on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have a conversation for two hours almost, even through a translator, and not bring up Taiwan and his, and his aggressive behavior in the region and indicate unequivocally that we would come and defend Taiwan in the event of any military activity that he's conducting. And also, I I would put together a package uh, for Taiwan as quickly as we could and send it in there. I'm talking about a military package to to send a clear message that while we're involved in in Ukraine and trying to support the Ukrainians, certainly, 
uh, against Russia, uh, we are not so distracted that we're taking our eye off the ball here when it comes to Taiwan. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, here too troubles me. Biden administration has been somewhat ambiguous about Taiwan. At one point, Biden said something to the effect that if they can, if 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 China came into Taiwan, we would bring in our Marines and our Navy. But then it was completely walked back, and I've never heard that talk since then. Uh, I I mean, I, you got to these are red lines, General Keene. You know, red lines. We got to draw red lines. And the other point I was just thinking about, as you were saying, you know, we need to give them more assistance, military assistance. We need to increase our defense budget much more, much more. You know, three and a half percent of GDP with the dangerous world here is probably not nearly enough. We have to put much more resources into defense. That may be politically unpopular at this moment, but Biden should do it and then sell it to the country. I think the country might even back him on it. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that. I mean, we've known for some time it's underfunded, and we're trying to work uh, within the parameters of the pushback uh, from the Democrats. But what we really got to put on the line and on the table, what is actually the requirement Mm. to be able to push back against these two powers that are now in a strategic alliance, and they are our adversaries, and they're threatening the global world order as we know it. And we have to have effective military deterrence against them. Diplomacy is not enough. Mm-hmm. They respect strength. And, we, and we've and we said many times we're outgunned and outmanned right now today in the Indo-Pacific region dealing with the, the, the Chinese, which is the most rapid-growing military in, in the world today. And obviously we have to increase our deterrence in NATO as a result of what, what Putin is doing doing here and we cannot do that at the numbers we're dealing with uh in the defense budget even with the plus up uh, Mm -hmm. that they gave it's Mm -hmm. not sufficient to get us to where we need to be you're absolutely right about that larry and and i think the other thing you're right about is there will be support for it i think so i'm looking at polls The, the the ground is shifting and i think the country sees the dangers of putin and the dangers of xi all, the world has changed a lot in the last month or two, and I think uh, the country sees that. Um, General Keene, I want to just shift gears. Um, I'm looking through the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I'm looking at the website, and I'm looking I, – I have the paper. Um, there is not one story anywhere about an impending deal with Iran, and it's blowing my mind – and it not only, first of all, Russia is negotiating on our behalf. Then there's talk about a $10 billion carve-out for a Russian construction company to build a nuclear facility. They say it would be for civil purposes, but I don't believe that. And we are turning against Israel in favor of Iran. We're also turning against Saudi Arabia. I know that's a somewhat checkered story, but they're still our allies. They hate uh, Iran. The Iranian story is an incredible story, and no one wants to cover it or talk about it. Yeah, it's really quite extraordinary. And to think that we're just in full pursuit of this deal, despite what is happening in Ukraine, and despite the fact that Russia... And, and Iran are aligned uh, it, it is really quite quite extraordinary. And, and every indication is, is 
when the administration came in, they said they were going to, they wanted to renegotiate the deal, and they made overtures that we were going to lengthen the deal. This is in terms of the sunset clauses, uh, which kick in at ten and fifteen years, and then we were going to strengthen it. And they wanted to bring ballistic missiles into it in terms of restrictions and malign behavior, in terms of curbing it, and that is off the table. We're actually talking about a deal that is worse than the 2015 deal. And why? They, they seem to just be obsessed with having to make this deal. Mm-hmm. And they dismiss they dismiss uh, what Trump did. They said, well, the, uh, maximum sanctions failed. Maximum sanctions didn't fail. What, what the Iranians were doing, uh, their economy uh, was suffering. The Iranians were waiting out the election. Uh, and the Trump team certainly knew that. If, if, if the Trump team was reelected, I think we would have seen a different kind of negotiation going on. But that didn't happen. And what did the Biden team do? Inten- instead of building on the maximum sanctions that were out there, instead of building on the fact that Qasem Soleimani was killed in January of 2020, which really put the Iranians back on their heels and the Arabs significantly applauded that and said, oh, my, the Trump administration is dead serious about this. They were 100 percent behind that. What did they do? They began to stop enforcing the Trump sanctions Mm. almost immediately. Uh, Mm. Who was the first one to know that? The Iranians and the American people, were they told that? No. So what a weekend we began to play in the first 90 days of the Biden administration by not only reaching out and saying we want a deal, but by not enforcing the sanctions that have been posed on, which would, they could use as leverage to get a better deal. Mm. So we're heading to a disaster here. We're going to put billions and billions of dollars, Larry, into the hands of the, of the Iranians, likely take the IRGC, which is who runs their proxy wars, and their terrorist programs, give them billions of dollars, and take them off the foreign terrorist list at the same time. Mm. I, I mean, it's astounding mm. in terms of the irresponsibility that uh, that we're dealing with. Here. I don't, I don't, I don't, General. I don't even remotely understand their thinking here. Honestly, what's the? Is there a principle involved? What, I mean, what is this? I guess we're running out of time. We're always running out of time. I'll leave it there. General Jack Keane, wonderful friend, my mentor on all these things. Thank you, sir. And we'll talk some more on TV as the week goes on. Folks, I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.